Are you the kind of gal who isn't interested in how things used to be in the hair industry, who wants to hear from ladies who are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. Hey guys, I don't know if it's just me or what, but now that I'm back in the salon post-quarantine, I had big dreams and big aspirations, and I know some of us are not able to make the changes or aren't really doing the things we said we wanted to do when we had the time off. And so I'm really excited to still be offering my one-on-one coaching. I just completed my first three clients, and so I've decided that I'm going to move forward working with three people at a maximum at a time. So if that's something you're interested in, whether it's refining and making changes in the location, in the salon that you work at, or if it's you're ready to kind of go off on your own and you're nervous and scared and looking for some guidance, I'm your girl. You can head over to my new website, wavemaking.com, and you can fill out Uh, the get in touch form, or you can go ahead and sign up for a 30 minute discovery call with me to just talk about what you've got going and kind of get a better idea of if, if I think I can help you. So I'm super passionate about helping stylists because I've been able to really remake my career and I want to be able to help you do that. So definitely head over there and I am I'm all ears. And then also I have a workbook. So a lot of you have already gotten the workbook, but if you haven't gotten the free workbook, it's a downloadable workbook on my website and it's going to help you kind of start to do some of that work on yourself that will ultimately give you the empowerment that you need to make changes. So I know so often we want to make external changes. We want to make changes that people can see and that we can see, but really the magic is inside and it's been empowering yourself to be able to make those kind of changes on the outside, but it starts within. So the workbook is an amazing place to start. All right. Thanks so much. All right. So today we have Alicia Monique on the show. She is a Florida-based salon and stylist coach product development consultant, and salon business building expert. She partners with salon owners and stylists to help them build new or restructure their salons to improve the back end. So whether you want to build a team, a clientele, increase your retail sales, or develop a hair care line, she can help you scale it in a profitable way. I'm so excited that she's here with us today speaking to this group. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so excited to dive in. I feel like a lot of the show, we focus on independent stylists because that's what I am. So I think it's super cool to have you on today to talk kind of more to the salon owner, more to the stylist that's passionate about wanting to grow a team, whether that's in a commission salon or whether that's in a booth rental salon, because what's so cool is that there are so many ways to do this industry, but I feel like now more than ever, people need you. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I I definitely focus more on the salon owners. Ultimately, as a stylist, um, sometimes we run into difficulties when we're working with different salons and that falls on the salon owner. So um, I like to get down to the root of the problem. Helping the stylist grow is great. But if you're not in a great working environment, then that hinders your growth. 
Yeah, yeah. So before we get into all of that, I'd love to learn a little bit about where this passion comes from that you have for the salon owner, because I definitely feel like from working on all sides of the salon, I do have a lot of compassion for the traditional salon owner because of just the sometimes just the lack of profitability that's there, but that's not apparent to the team. So what what has gotten you to today to like kind of have this passion for hair salon owners? Because you probably have been through things that have given you this perspective. Well, I was a salon owner myself. And one of my goals when I opened a salon, like every salon owner, is to make money. Like we open a business because we want to work for ourselves. We don't want to answer to anyone. And at the end of the day, it's all about making money. Um, but one of the important aspects for me when I opened a salon was to not just to make money, but to offer a place for stylists to grow. I never expected any of my stylists that I work with to stay with me forever, basically. I always wanted them to, to go on to do their own thing. And when they did their own thing, I felt great because I had a part of that journey. I was a part of teaching them how to become a better stylist, how to become a salon owner if they want to, how to maximize a salon suite. So that was one of my goals when I uh, had my own salon was to make sure that stylists can grow. And in doing that, I started to look at the other salons around me, like checking their references from the salons that they come from. I started to look into other salons and I started to just ask different questions. And I realized that Stylists leave certain salons, not just based on um, the need, their needs aren't being met, but it's based on the environment that they're around, the structure that these salons have. And that just triggers something for me. Like, if I can help salons, you know, basically lay down a good structure, then I will be starting at the root of the problems for stylists not just helping a stylist grow where they can grow. I've worked with salon coach uh, stylists also. And in coaching stylists, it was always go to the salon owner and tell the salon owner what you're looking for, what your expectations are. And they will always give me feedback. Well, I went to the salon owner and they're not willing. And I'm like, well, the problem for me was not the stylist growth. It was the salons. I'm like, I got to work with the root of the problem because at the end of the day, salons are a staple in the community. And I want us to, to continue to grow in the community and be a big part of that. And that's where my passion come at. That's amazing. And I, I, I feel that. And it's like that. Like you think about this industry and you think about like, I've never heard it said like that, where it's like, that's really the core of it. And it's like everything you're saying just like resonated with me, but it's like, I never heard someone say like, I want to help the salons. And I feel like your attitude about all of this is like so evolved beyond like, I mean, you, you didn't start doing this yesterday. And I feel like the mindset that you have is one that our industry is starting to have. But it's amazing to me that even as a salon owner back in the day, that that was your attitude, that you saw it as a reflection positively on you when people went on to do better or different things. And I think that it's just, it's crazy to me that you had that so long ago, because I feel like it's such a new thing for our industry. It is a, it is a new thing. Like now, you know, dealing with the times that we're in right now, you see a lot of things are changing. Um, a lot of salons are coming together with the community. 
we're viewed as essential workers, you know, give or take, I would say. Yeah. Uh, we play a key part in a lot of the areas, the community and other professions. Like we were once viewed as, oh, you know, the beauty industry, that stylists don't make any money. Salons, you know, are barely afloat. You know, you can't make any money if you worked in a salon suite. If you ran a booth rental salon, there was no way to profit. So we always kind of got that that negative energy. And now it's more or less like, wow, like we need a salon. This yeah. is the open place. The, like this is where we relax. This is where we rejuvenate. This is like the community outlet. Like just going into the salon, just talking to your stylist, getting a blow dry. It's like therapy. Yeah. And I think like what you're saying, I've, I've definitely felt myself and it's like what an opportunity to have our industry like continue to make changes maybe that we didn't, I know for myself, like there are changes I'm making that I feel empowered to do during this time that I wouldn't have maybe felt empowered to do if we weren't in the middle of this. Exactly. Exactly. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. So as far as like helping the salon owner, because everything you were saying, like, I feel like for a while I was so like into being independent and then like I kind of reflect back on all my experiences and I have an appreciation for the selflessness that's involved in being a salon owner when I know they they want to make money but then you also have like all these factors that I know that the stylists don't always know about but like I just feel like salon owners need you because like a perspective that you have on how they can just kind of like remake their business. And like, I'm sure like, like for some people, they kind of have to throw away a lot of dated limiting beliefs around like what it looks like to run their businesses. But can you talk a little bit about like some of the things you help people do? Because I, I guess I just feel like without anyone telling me right now that, that like the traditional commission salon, um, that, that there's a lot of struggle right now. There is a lot of struggle in the salon industry, but the struggle comes from not really setting a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, as stylists, we're creative. And what I see a lot is to deal with paperwork, to deal with that business side. It's not creative. It's no. literally like, this is how you do it. Lay it out, keep it up, maintain it and keep working. And that's not creative for us. I don't know about you, but I hate papers. Like when you go and check the mail, you ever go and check the mail and you get like the whole hunk of junk mail and you're like, oh my God, it's so much junk. And you just toss it away. Like yep. you, you don't want to deal with that. And when it comes to running a salon business, it's about getting your paperwork in order, getting everything laid out, structured properly, put all those pieces in so that stylists know how your business functions. And we don't spend a lot of time there because we want to do hair. Hair is creative. Doing a makeover is more creative. Doing a hair transformation is more creative. Like that's where our creativity lies. Laying foils in different directions, creating different patterns. Like that's creative. Taking this application to fill it out, to review your references, to make sure you ask creative um, personality and character questions for the interview process. We get bored with that. And we tend to like toss it to the side and that's what we become dated at because we, oh, this system that I have is working. Um, I don't want to use a contract. All of my stylists, we work on the faith system. And next, you know, a stylist is leaving because she don't feel like there's, there's nothing, there's no structure there 
there's no way for her to grow. There's no, okay, this is the time the salon opens. This is the time the salon operate. This is how we gather. This is how we get education. This is how we get more training. And if that part is not set inside of the salon, as a stylist, you keep trying to figure that out for yourself. When it's ultimately the salon's responsibility on whether a commissioned stylist is growing or failing. And we brush it off sometimes as salon owners because we don't want to deal with, you know, that back end part. Um, I've worked with several salons. I've literally worked with one salon um, the other day. She posted a video on her Instagram and oh my God, I was in here just hollering. I was so proud. I was like, this is a proud coaching moment. Like, oh my God. I took her literally, literally when we started to work together, everything I had her send me her pricing list. I had her send me all her numbers, all of her, her expenses. Literally we scrapped everything. I was like, you're starting all over. None of this stuff makes sense. This is why you can't figure out how to get good stylists. Because when people come to work with you, they see a mess and they try and work in that mess. And then they create their own brand, which is not your salon brand. And she struggled with that a lot. So we literally like threw her whole business in the trash and started again. We started from contracts. We started from pricing lists. We started with her expenses, like cutting down some of these unnecessary expenses. She was in a small um, salon suite um, where I don't even remember the square footage of it, but it was her and I want to say two other stylists. And she felt she outgrew that place. But I was explaining to her, you can't outgrow a place if you're not structured right to move into a bigger place. So we literally scrapped. And when I want to say we threw away everything, when she presented her team with the new rules and a new layout, the stylist she did had left also. And it was like a weight. She said, I I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. And I was like, what do you mean a weight? She was like, I had a meeting, some stylists, like they just, they didn't agree. They didn't want to sign a contract anymore. They was like, well, my contract shouldn't start uh, until like several months later, but they actually wasn't on any contract at all. Like they really debated with her. And I was literally told, I said, let them go. And she was like, what do you mean? I said, let them go. And when she let them go, she was like, I felt so relieved. She was like, I don't even know why I was holding on to that extra baggage. Uh, long story short, we worked together in my uh, three-month mentorship program, um, and we've actually extended to four months because on that fourth month, I needed her to move into a new salon. That third month, I actually had her go out and to find another salon space, and she was coming back with all these um, quotes and bigger spaces, and I said, you can't say yes to anyone unless you run that by me. And every time she brought one back and she would give me the whole rundown, I'm like, no, that's not it. She would say, well, what do you mean? I said, I don't feel like that's where you belong. She said, well, you haven't seen it. I said, I know, but I hear it in your voice. And in your voice, that's not telling me where you want to go. So keep looking. And she kept looking and she kept looking. And finally, she found a space, half the budget. Her increase from her salon overhead literally only went up about $500 from the space she was. And the spaces she was looking at was like 2000 extra. But she just, her tone was just telling me like, that's not where you belong. When she found that space, she was actually able to put a boutique in the front where she had no boutique 
It's a eight station salon, six station salon. She added two more shampoo areas. So now she has three shampoo bowls. It actually has a suite that she'll rent. She rented out now to um, a microblade technician. She has the boutique up front. She has all her styling stations and she's able to teach classes all in this space. She did an event where she did like a give back for after COVID where she offered free hairstyles for teenagers. This event was so amazing. The decor, she laid out everything. I walked her all through it. I was like, I could not be more proud of her. Her salon is filled. She has stylists on the waiting list, basically waiting for someone to quit. And the techniques that I share with her, I was like, you never have to change these again. All you would do is tweak your marketing efforts because your foundation is set. Stylists are literally reaching out to her like, well, if you ever throw an event, I want to come and work with you. If you're looking for another stylist, I'm here. If one of your stylists gets sick, call me. And I'm literally telling her, I'm like, where, where does this happen at? I've never, you've never seen a salon where you have stylists reaching out, wanting to work with you and you do not have the space for them. Wow. And her next thought was, I need a bigger space. I'm like, no, one step at a time. You don't need a bigger space yet, but you'll get there. There's just so many things I love about that story. Like, I love the idea that like, just because you think it's time to move, if your numbers don't make sense, like you really just slow your roll. It's so easy to get ahead of ourselves and, and like get excited and whatever. But I love that you were like, wait, no, like we, you don't have any of the data behind this to know if it's time to move. And then exactly. I, I love that she started over and I've started over myself, you know, two and a half years ago. And even in starting over, I still was like, well, a lot of the, how I have it works. But then when I really let go and said like, I'm making something new, it is so much like, more like life-giving and I think so many people are afraid of starting over like especially as hairstylists it's like oh my gosh but I like I have all these clients and I have like like they they know me as this steady Eddie person in their life but I think that it's so freeing and like the life that that person gets to have on the other side of like letting go of what wasn't working is so empowering it is I think I think letting go is more empowering it's it's just something about letting go that's freeing than holding on is it's almost like what are you holding on to like I tell a lot of a lot of salons where they have clients that you know don't appreciate the services they get they're coming and they're not valuing the stylist and I'm like let her go they're like but but she pays and she's faithful I'm like so let her go. Like, why deal with that dilemma each and every time she comes? Just let her go. Just, you are never, you never, I've literally told a stylist this before when I was um, working with a stylist and she kept saying, but I have so many clients and they come and they're faithful, but I just have a few that I just wish they would never come back. I'm like, okay, so don't book them. She's like, but it's not that easy. Yes, it is. You're never available. When they leave, and you go to rebook, make that rebooking so far out that it's ridiculous. They will never come back. Like you can literally say your next appointment is about six months from now. And they'll be like, really? Yeah. Would you like to book that? And they'll say, no, I'll wait. And whenever they call, you are never available ever. And next, you know, they'll just disappear. They'll fall off the face of the earth. You won't even see them in a store anymore. You don't know where they went. 
They just disappeared. And you literally will replace that one person with two great people that you actually enjoy doing, that actually refer other people to you. So that letting go, it's, it's freeing. It's almost like um, when they say a woman who shaves her head is about to change her life. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like sometimes you just have to let things go in order to get things uh in order to change things, in order to get better things. Yeah, I think we for I think we don't realize how simple it is because I think that we kind of keep ourselves in these like chains, invisible chains with people and don't realize that we actually have the power to like, yeah, like price things in a way or um, schedule them in a way that is either going to attract that kind of person or like kind of repel them. And I was going to say like, what do you think that's about with salons that are, you know, I, I tend to think that I see salons that are like, you know, like bigger operating salons that are kind of higher volume, but still offering a nice experience. What do you think it's about like them? They're afraid to let go of clients. Like they're like, maybe not charging for glosses, but like that person's been so loyal to the salon. Like what, what's that about? I think that's about, I think it's a fear of losing out. Okay. That, that fear of losing. It's like, it's almost like, okay, I need, I need that person. And in order to make that person happy, I'm going to add on this and this and this. And this, okay, and this also to keep this person happy. So if you're charging, let's say this service that at the end of the, the session, this service, this guest is paying for is $100 and they're coming faithfully and that $100 goes to the light bill, it goes to the water bill, it goes to your back bar products. If you lose that $100, now you can't buy those gallons of shampoo that you typically would buy every week. But if you keep her happy and just throw on the gloss because she comes faithfully, yeah, and I can keep her hundred dollars coming. So it's that fear of losing. Yeah, but it keeps it keeps you stuck, and I think right. it kind of goes back into that cycle of what you were saying about how freeing and empowering letting go is, and like that not having letting go of that scarcity mentality and believing like, but like the person that's going to take that spot wants to pay for their gloss and wants to pay 150 and then you get to still get that shampoo and like the freeing feeling of being like i don't have to like compromise the integrity of this business to keep people here but i feel like there's a lot of like it's like it's like people pleasing and scarcity and just like this idea that um, someone that's been with you for 20 years, which if you want to flip the script on it, you've actually been operating at a loss with that person the whole time. If you're exactly. taking $25 and you're, you're throwing that in every time over 10, 20 years, 35 years, like, I feel like it might be helpful to people to just run the numbers quick on what they've actually cost themselves, keeping Sherry happy at, uh, $75 when the prices have been 200 for the last three years. It's like, it gets me fired up. Exactly. Me too. I'm a, I'm a number. It's funny you mentioned that going from hundred to 150, I'm a numbers girl. Yeah. And the first thing I do with all my clients is when we work together is I run numbers and I'm like, if the numbers don't make sense, because first of all, the calculator doesn't lie. I don't care how many times you put in one plus one, it will forever equal two. Yeah. So I run numbers. 
I literally like, give me your expenses. How much do you spend a month? And um, if I ask you immediately, well, how much is a salon expenses on a monthly basis? Um, that pause right there tells me that you don't know. Because you should automatically know my salon expenses range. It, it fluctuates every month between $2,300 and $3,000. You should know that off the top of your head, how much you're going to dish out every single month. If you ask someone at home, how much is your expenses at home, including your rent, your Wi-Fi, phone, how much is that? We know that number, but we don't know that salon number. And when you when it all boils down at the end of the day to that number, that number, not knowing that is what's holding us back. It's what's holding us uh, hostage to the clients that we don't need anymore. It's what's creating this, this, this dated salon feel that you have because you're afraid of if you increase your prices, you're going to lose that $100. You're going to lose at least 10 people. Well, that's the same as the gas station. When the gas go up, we're like, oh, wow, like the gas then went up 15 cents. Let me go down the street and see if I can get it cheaper. And you go down the street and it's 20 cents more. But meanwhile, you're running out of gas. You're going to have to pay that increase somewhere. Yep. And if you're a great stylist, you you have a great salon atmosphere. You provide a wonderful service. You provide luxury services. I tell all my salon owners, we don't just provide services. We provide luxury. So mm-hmm. if you change your mindset of just, you know, being the travel lodge to becoming the Waldorf Astoria, then things start to increase and you start to see a change in your, just in your salon. So you have to change your mindset. You have to change, you have to realize your value when it comes to being a salon owner. And of course you have to change with the times. And if none of that works, run the numbers because numbers don't lie. Yeah, I was like, as you were saying the numbers thing, I'm like, it's almost like it informs, like you get a story, like, you know what I mean? Like the salon's got its story and you're like looking at it, but until you look at the numbers, you actually don't have the inside scoop of like really what's happening. Cause it's like, there could be busy all the time. They could be this, they could be that. But then it's like, you look at those numbers and it's like, you guys are busy all the time and this is what's happening. It's just right. so informative. And like what you were also saying about how like changing your mindset from being like the travel lodge, I love that, to the Waldorf. It's like I've been saying lately, and I love your take on this, that hairstylists have two opportunities right now. There's like two directions you can go in salons too. But it's like you can decide to level up and offer that high level, like continue to increase the level of experience because like we are, a lot of us are seeing fewer people. Like I'm not double booking anymore. So I see it as, like, okay, I'm going to take that experience. I'm going to elevate it. This is my opportunity to do that, to be able to, you know, have my services priced at what they are. And then I think there's this other subset of people that are saying like, okay, I've had 300 cancellations. I'm not able to see, I I have all these people to get in and like, it's a completely different mindset. And they're saying, okay, then I'm not going to do shampoos and I'm not going to do blow dries and they're going to come with wet hair and they're going to text me a picture the day before. And it's just like chopping up the service into being like, so I can make everyone happy. And I find that I feel like that's just like, there's two distinct things happening. And I'd love to get your opinion on that. Well, the the second example that you coming with your hair shampoo, like I don't agree with that at all. Like that's a part of the experience. 
If you shampoo, we shampoo our hair at home all the time. There's nothing like your stylist shampooing your hair. The majority, now I still work in a salon too. I work in a salon three days out the week. Yes, I must touch hair. I'm still a creative. I, I, yes, I do. Like I'm still creative. I still got to get my hands in some hair. You know, I got to keep, keep my feet out there and know what's going on. But there's all of my clients say, if you, you could just shampoo my hair every day and I'll go home. I'll just come in here, get my hair shampoo and I'll leave. Like that's a part of the experience that you provide. So if you want your guests to shampoo their hair at home and then come in, like what, what, what are they paying for? You're watering down the service. Also, they're going to say, well, since I shampooed my hair myself, then obviously you're not going to charge me for that. And if they're doing a lot of things at home themselves, then you can't charge them for that either. They're just going to show up and get the blow dry. They can blow dry their hair at home. And if right. the average blow dry typically costs about $50, what are you going to charge? 25 because they did half of it already? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So that whole experience that you're providing is what the guests are paying for. So if you just create this different mindset of right now, yes, that we don't have a lot of time, but you, if you block out an additional 30 minutes around your client, knowing that, okay, I haven't seen her in quite some time. She's going to need, she's booked for highlights. I know she's going to need a root touch up because of the highlights. She's going to need a gloss and she's definitely going to need a haircut. How long will this take me? Instead of the highlights being, um, I'm throwing out round numbers because we all work at different speeds. So mm-hmm. let's say your highlights take about two hours, whereas you want to add on these other services, you need another hour. So you stretch out her appointment for another hour. And when she come in during that consultation, you inform her of the other things that she needs. Whereas you're making, let's say, two to three hundred dollars off of one client, as opposed to trying to do 10 clients making fifty dollars each. That's not working smart to me. We're working really hard. We have to work a little bit. Uh, a little bit smarter right now, especially because we are limiting the amount of, of, of guests that we can service. We can't have the highlights over here processing and trying to do the haircut and, and finishing up the blow dry. We just can't operate in that manner. But if you can take that one person and turn that one person service into three, then that's working way smarter. We'll go home less tired. Right. We'll be able to look at our paperwork. We'll be able to look at our back end. Another thing I do when I work with salons is that um, whatever your weekly goal is, immediately when we start working together, we're going to double that. And I tell all of them, we're going to double that. How many clients, I see how many clients you do a week. I do 10 a week. Okay. I need you to do 20. Well, where am I going to get the 20 from? Here's how you're going to get the 20. I need you to go back to all. And I literally give you step-by-step on what to do. And along with that, I'm checking in on you. Hey, it's Wednesday. You're going to see it's Wednesday. Hey, midweek, how are we looking? Are we closing out the week right? Look at your numbers. What do we need to add on? You need to find $200 by Friday. And they're like, oh, I, Friday come. How much did we find? Oh, I only found 50. If you only found 50, then I need you to find 300 by tomorrow. 300. And literally like that pressure rates there really start to make you look at your business and say, okay, I can do this. If she see that I can do this and $200 is nothing, like that's a, what, two or three haircuts maybe and a yeah. blow dry or a root touch up, so, like that's nothing. You just add on to every guest that you have and you found $200 at the end of the week. 
And when they start to see that, the numbers start to go up. They literally will go from a weekly income of less than 2000 to 5000 in a heartbeat. Right. And once they can see the services increase, now we work on the retail. I'm like, retail will pay for all of these expenses. How many products are we selling? Well, you know, mm -mm. like that's not an answer. Everyone should walk out with the retail product. And I have a strategy that I tell all of them to, to teach the stylist on how to sell retail products, because it's just not about at the end of the service. Hey, are you going to buy this? Of course, I'm going to say no. You haven't told me anything about what mm-mm, I'm not going to buy this. I'll get it next time. Next time will come and you realize that your client has purchased these products from out of somewhere else. They didn't get them from you. And that's where they actually should come from. So all the salons that I work with, um, I instill, first off, we play with the numbers. We look at the brand. What, what does your brand look like? How are you positioning yourself and, and following what you laid out? What is your vision? Working, uh, doubling up the clients is not a great option. Here's how you not double up your clients and maximize the services that you provide with on one um on one guest instead of multiple guests at multiple periods of time, especially right now. Like it's not even doable right now. The most you probably have depending on your space is two. And if you're in there, it's too, too many. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's interesting what you're saying too. Cause I've been thinking like, like, like when I think about like the two kind of schools of thought right now, I don't pass judgment on one. I say that person's putting so much pressure on themselves to meet everyone's expectations and like all of their clients' expectations. And I found it helpful to just say, I'm not going to be able to meet everyone's expectations, but the people's expectations that I meet, I'm going to, I'm going to try and exceed. And I feel like it's like letting yourself off the hook being like, I didn't plan this pandemic. I didn't, it's not like I, the way I structure my business has to change just the the flexibility that I have to have now with the way the world is. And I feel like so many stylists, like, like they're them trying to like skip certain steps to get more people. And is them trying to meet everyone's expectations. Exactly. I mean, if you also think about it, if you have children, sometimes when you're trying to accomplish things and you have a two year old, like mommy, 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 mommy. And you're literally like, listen, Give me five minutes here. Watch your show. Go over there so you can accomplish something. Your guests are the same way. Like, listen, this is the situation that we're in right now. And this is what I can do. And we got to we just have to stand firm with what our personal expectations are for the guests and not try and pile so much on ourselves to meet their expectations. I literally just have to start telling my guests no. So I don't give an explanation. I don't say anything after the no. No, it ends with a period. Yeah. Because we're gonna, we're gonna right now in the times that we're dealing with, we're either we're gonna work ourselves so much that once this is over, we're gonna need a vacation from this. Or new jobs. That too. <laughs> <laughs> that too. We're going to real we're going to go to a different profession. I don't even know what profession we're going to go in because it probably won't be the medical field at all. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do, but right now it's literally 
we I just think we have to just shift focus a little bit on try and not meet the the guest expectations, but to just literally say to ourselves, what is it that I can do in this amount of time in this day? Because if you're working eight hours behind a chair, that's all you have. Mm-hmm. You don't have that extra hour. So what can you accomplish in this in this in this eight hours, basically? And then along with that, I'm gonna throw this in there. We need to take a break. We have to find a moment to breathe, to yeah. eat, to rejuvenize so that we can give within the next four hours a hundred percent. Cause otherwise we're like energizer buddies, bunnies. When that battery starts to die down, we get really, I don't know about you, um, but I get really slow. Yeah. And I really yeah. don't care what your hair issue is after a while because my energy level is gone. I just want you out of my chair. And I don't want to show up like that for my clients. So taking that 30, 15 minute break is going to help rejuvenate you for the rest of the day. And all salons right now, I think that's important for us to stress that to our stylists who are working. If you see your stylist working really, really hard, you got to approach them and say, hey, listen, you had a wonderful week. You worked eight hours nonstop for the past four days. I'm going to I'm going to put you a break in today. I need you to take a 45 minute break right here and just go have a seat somewhere like go out to your car, you know, sit down, meditate, do something so that when you come back in, you feel energized. And it actually really works because we don't think like we have that time to really sit down now because we have to service so many people. But putting that pause in the day, it's like, okay, let me get a breather. Okay, now I'm ready. And when you show up, for the rest of the day, you're actually showing up at your 100% and not that 75% or next, you know, you're at 25% and you you just did the worst blow dry of your life. Yeah, I know. It's funny you say that is because when I went back into the salon, you know, after when we reopened, I looked at my schedule and I was like, I was working an eight hour day previously and I was having a break in the middle of the day to just like have lunch, walk my dog. And I had two people double book to make it happen. And I said, I need that break. So I'm going to have to come into work an hour, a half an hour earlier. So I'm going to start at nine instead of nine 30. So in the middle of my day, I get that lunch break because it's key. And it's to- so totally spot on what you're saying. And I had a, someone on the show, um, a Canadian guest, and she was talking about how what's actually happening inside of a hairstylist all day when they're going from person to person to person is like, you keep getting your lid flipped is what she called it. But it's like, you're like trying to close deals down and you're kind of living in this fight or flight mode of just like kind of closing down a deal. Like, yeah, I can come in on my day off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You want highlights next time? We can do that. I only have an hour, but we can make it happen. And just like putting out fires all day, but really depleting ourselves. And I feel like what you said is so spot on, especially because that's going to be, if that's already our tendency, we're going to come back from this break exactly like that. Exactly. Exactly. So we got to start putting that in somewhere right now. Like you said, if you got to come in um, 30 minutes early to get that 30 minute break, like that's definitely useful. I was the same way. I ran back in the salon. Literally, I was like, I'm ready. Here I am. Like, I felt like I had a very long break because we were home and I was ready to go. And when I got in there, I was like, okay, wait, I haven't been, uh, I'm a little slow right now. I realized that I lost speed. Like my speed wasn't there because we wasn't practicing anymore. So 
that highlights that you may foil a partial highlights in 15 minutes now took 30 minutes. And I literally was like, wow, this took forever. Like, okay, yeah. I got to get my speed back up. But after that one, it was processed. And I was like, I'm going to take a break. I literally took multiple breaks that first week back in the salon because I had to regroup and realize, okay, how did I, how was I operating before? Like, what did I do? And I literally looked back at my schedule and was like, wow, I did that. Like, who is she? I don't know who she is, but this new person needs lots of breaks right now. This new person is a little slow. This new person has to figure out, you know, how to be able to extend these services and clean up. So I myself had to do a lot of like regrouping and regathering. And once I got it together, it literally took about two weeks to, to like really like get in a groove. And once I got in a groove, I was like, oh no, this 30 minute break is mandatory now. It's not suggested anymore. This is mandatory. I have to figure out how to, I have to stop right here in order to be productive for the rest of the day. So when you slot in those quick highlights, they're not they're not your best. They're not your yeah. best highlights. I mean, I did it and I was like, okay, that didn't that turned out good, but that wasn't excellent. Right. So this break is gonna allow me to be excellent again. The break that you put in for all your stylists in your salon is gonna allow them to continue to be excellent throughout the day. Which is why um I wrote a book called The Six Step Systems to um Six-figure stylist? Right. I'm sorry, guys. Listen, I've written four books, and all of them are salon-based books for you to be able to grow your business. And I'm like, I need to write another book. I'm actually thinking of another title right now because I'm in the process of Mm -hmm. writing another book. And I'm getting the titles confused, which I don't want them all to be the same. However, this one is an expansion of the first book. The first book is a six-step system to creating a six-figure salon where I literally lay out the six steps that you need in order to run your salon business successfully. Um, the next book will probably be six-step systems to creating a salon marketing system. That's the title. To creating mm-hmm. a salon marketing system. So I'm all about those six steps. Six steps are something for us to literally say, okay, I can work with these six steps. Anything more than that, I think it will be a little bit daunting for us because we're more creative individuals. And I like to just give you the points and allow you to go out and implement those. So in the in this book, you'll realize um, the same thing. You can literally read through chapter one and there's work for you to do at the end of every chapter. So you can take it literally chapter by chapter, implement the work and start seeing the results immediately. But um, we definitely have to focus on how our salons is structured. Like that back end part is where I can't stress enough that we have to focus on. But once you do it, once you lay it all out, you never really have to lay that out again. That's like going to get a bank account, a business bank account. Once you get that business bank account and start um, having all your money flow from your business into that account, you don't have to go and get another bank account again. And your structure is the same way. Once you lay everything out, You never have to lay that structure out again. We think if we lay out a structure, it's going to require a continuous work. The work is marketing. So once you know how you're going to hire a stylist, what the commission scale is, um, if you're a booth rental salon, if you have contracts, by the way, I have a, a book called Salon Forms. It has over 20 forms that you need to operate your salon business. If you have those things in place, 
I tell everyone, once you buy the book, every form is in there. All you have to do is um, copy the form, fill the form out, file the form away. I've done all the brain work for you. And once it's done, it's done. You never have to create that document again. But if you don't have it to begin with, it seems like a very long process, a process that we are just not willing to take because we would rather go do a root touch up and highlights or gray coverage or some fantasy colors, which I mean, I kind of agree with that too. I like that. But knowing that if my paperwork is done, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I can continue on to do, you know, great things with my team. Right. Cause it's like the short-term discomfort of like having the conversation around a contract or the short-term discomfort of like, I know a lot of stylists, they really struggle to understand their commission breakdown and they really struggle to understand like, I don't get it. Like product gets taken off before I get the commission or the product charges after, or should we even have that product charge? Is that even legal? And there's so much gray and I feel like um, just like murky feelings that people have. And it's like that short-term discomfort of like getting clarity on that is going to allow you to either, either way it's knowledge and it gives you power. You're either going to be a lot happier working where you're working or you're going to kind of have to formulate a plan. And either way, you're kind of like getting out of this like really weird murky water. Exactly. And that murky water is what will cause a stylist to leave later because it's murky and it's muddy and then it's just a blob. And now it's really unclear. And at that point, they're like, you know what? I went down the street and they literally said this, 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 like it was black and white down the street. So they pick up their things and they move on. And then you look back again and you're trying to get someone else in there. And once again, it's unclear to the next person. But when it comes to business, it's black and white. Once you did it, once you lay it all out, once you put everything in place, it's really not much to think about anymore. And like you said, it's just being uncomfortable for that moment, getting all that stuff done that you never have to worry about it again. Yeah. And one thing I'm thinking of as you're saying that is like Brene Brown says, like clear is kind. And like the kindest thing you can do is be clear. And like, like you were kind of going back to the beginning of the episode, that woman who decided to make changes and get clarity on the life and the business she wants, she ended up making it really easy for those other stylists to move on. And that, that was the kindest thing she could do. That was the kindest thing she could do for herself. Yeah. Not for the stylist, but that was that was huge for her. And she did she didn't even realize what she was doing for herself until it happened. But what momentum it probably gave her in her life. It did a, a whole a whole lot. She literally I literally watch her now. Um the things she do, I'm like, I'm i I'm just so I'm so glad to have a part of that milestone of your life. You literally went from zero to a hundred in yeah. four months of us working together. It was, it was so amazing yeah. just watching her grow and watching her, her change and watching her come into ownership. Cause usually that's what it's about. When we open a salon, we're not at ownership. We're still operating in stylist mode oh. and ownership mode is a whole nother level. Yeah, no. And it's interesting as I like, 
have stylists that come on to, to rent from me. Like if they've known me like 15 years ago, I'm like, so like contract, let's talk about this. I think I come across as a little like different now, but I think exactly everything you're saying, I've learned that it is anything that's gray today is going to cause resentment and frustration later and cost relationships because I've done all of those things. <laughs> right. Right. But if you lay, if you notice uh, for yourself, right. When you're talking about the contracts and all of that stuff in the beginning, it's, it's almost like when you lay out the law and this is what it is, it's kind of like take it or leave it. You never really discuss that again. So no. now you can move on with a better relationship because the owner and the stylist have clarity on how we work together. Yeah. And that's a foundation like you're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Once again, it's like the two-year-old who's like, mommy, mommy, mommy. But when you establish, listen, mommy has to work from one to five. During this time, you're going to go with grandma and you're going to go over here and do things. And I will be at five to pick you up. At 1230, that two-year-old is like, well, a two-year-old probably can't talk, so let's use a five-year-old. <laughs> the five-year-old is probably like, mommy, are we going to grandma's house? Like, they've actually looking at the clock. They're watching the numbers. It's 1230. Are we going to grandma's house today? Like, they, you've established structure right there. And you have to do that exact same thing as the salon owner. You established that in the beginning. Um, and that's what I did when I owned my salon. When everyone came in to work, we would fill out the application um, the next day we would have an interview process. If I wanted them a part of my team, I would call them back and I would literally lay down the law, establish the structure, get that foundation going, set their expectations, understand what their expectations are for me. Now we can have fun. Like, oh yeah, girl, that, that color you did, that was awesome. This thing you did, that was amazing. We're, by the way, we're going to the show. Are you coming along? That like Now we can uh, build that type of stylist to stylist relationship because we've already had that owner stylist relationship in the beginning. I freaking love that. That is like, so like, that's what I've been doing. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's what it makes it so much fun to have a coworker so much fun to have someone around because underneath that is like this, just this really crystal clear understanding of like what my ex, what my responsibilities are, what your responsibilities are. And now we can just be friends. Like we can have like this friendly, fun, environment. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's how it should be with a lot of salons. And with some salons, it's not because we forget that part. We forget that ownership part because we keep that stylist hat on so much that we don't realize that it's two different hats that you have to wear when it comes to owning a salon. Yeah, I love that. So if people want to work with you, because I'm like, sign me up. Um, where can people find you? You can find me on my website at aliciamonique.com. Um, I also have a membership program, the Salon Business Blueprint Club, um, where I work together with salons for 12 months. You have an access to courses. You have access to um, all the tools and documents you need to run your business. We actually do a Q&A call every Monday. Um, a group Q&A call, but you also get access to 30-minute private sessions as well. Um, so you can find all of that on my website at aliciamonique.com. 
Um, before we work together, though, I like to do 20 minute clarity calls, um, discovery calls, breakthrough sessions so that I can see exactly where you are in your business and see if we are a good fit to work together. Um, I like to do that because sometimes um, based on where you are, um, I like to know where I have to take you before we start working together. So I can literally map out everything and we can get rocking and rolling. So you can find all of my information at uh, .com. Um There you'll also find links to my blog, to my Facebook page, and to my Instagram, which is Alicia Monique underscore educator. Amazing. Well, Alicia Monique, thank you so much for being on. I know I got a lot out of today and I know other people will too. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Anytime.